This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash JavaScript Jabber. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville, Tennessee. Corey House. Hello from the frozen tundra that is Kansas City. AJ O'Neill. Y'all take, you, you took my thing. I'm, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we also have some of the organizers of uh, NGConf coming on the show. Um, some regular and some guests. We have Aaron Frost. Hello. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, not one of the organizers, but we also have a special guest, and that is Dave Geddes. Hey, how's it going? Special guests. I feel real special right now, actually. Nice. Thanks, so, do, do you want to introduce yourself real quick and uh, let people know who you are, what you do, why you're famous? <laughs> yeah, I'm famous because I know Joe Eames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I actually worked with these guys uh, for a lot of years at Domo. And then we we did this NGCon conference together um, about a year ago. I quit my job and I've been doing my own thing, the kind of the entrepreneur developer life. And yeah, I build I build these mastery games to help people um, really learn CSS. So that's kind of my thing. Nice. And uh, that's what we brought you on to talk about is the CSS stuff and the games. So um, why don't we just start off by having you let people know where they can go and try out the games, and then we'll talk about what the games are about. Sure. Yeah, so um, the first one is at flexboxzombies.com, and that's a free one. And with that one, you're this hoodie character, and you shoot zombies with a crossbow controlled by a flexbox. So you, the zombies are coming in, and instead of just like divs and spans, they're zombies, right? So you, you get Flexbox right, you shoot them, they die, and then you progress to the next level. Um, the second game is called gridcritters.com. And that one is, that one's about mastering CSS grid. And in that one, you are this pilot, Meg, and you're on this alien planet, and you're trying to rescue these critters um, using CSS grid. So the, the story is their planet has kind of fallen apart um, and you learn why in the story, but it's falling apart and you have to kind of put it back together using CSS grid. And if you do, you rescue the critters and advance to the next level. So they're, they're games where um, spaced repetition and um, delayed recall are built in so that by the time you get to the end of the game, you have just complete mastery over Flexbox or grid, something that you wouldn't have unless you built hundreds of projects on your own. All right, so you, you've brought up CSS grids, and it's funny because I, I swear, like, two months ago, we everything was Flexbox this and Flexbox that. So are, are, 
is this a fad? Is it something new? Or are they completely unrelated? And I'm just missing the point. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is funny because it came so fast. I mean, I was on a podcast about a year ago talking about Flexbox, and they asked the same question pretty much like, what's what's the deal with CSS Grid? And at that time, I I told them, it's, it's kind of a thing that's going to come in the future at some point, but it's not here yet. And then almost, I think it was November or early December. So like the next week. Well, it took, <laughs> it took about a year. It took about a year, but all, right now all the major browsers, all the evergreen browsers have it built in. Um, Edge was the last to get it in December. Um, but now it, it's, it's built into the platform. It's different from Flexbox. There is a lot of overlap in terms of what you can build with each, but they're very different tools. And really, the magic comes in when you when you know both of them really well. Really, so you want to know both CSS Grid and Flexbox? Yeah, definitely. So you're not, you're not picking. You're not picking. Topic. So tell us what's the difference. Uh, what what is really? Why do you want to know both? Why can't I just learn one? Because to be honest, I hate CSS so much. I don't even want to learn one, <laughs> let alone learn both. <laughs> so because it's front end dev and it sucks anyway. <laughs> yeah. So the way I like to think of it is like if you're making a delicious cake for your friend Joe, which is like a weekly occasion, you know. Right. That happens all the time. You're making Joe a cake. I kind of see Grid as the the cake itself and Flexbox as the frosting. So I I used to be reversed on those. I used to do more Flexbox and just a little bit of Grid for the outer container. <laughs> but now that I've got the hang of it of CSS Grids, I find I'm using those all the time, um, especially for like the main layout, because you can do, you know, you can build a very complex responsive layout in very few lines of, of grid code. And, but then there's going to be a lot of places within that layout where Flexbox is just perfect, you know, simple alignment, simple centering, simple distribution of items. There's lots of places where they, they both actually really complement each other. So is it still true that Flexbox is like the only even remotely reasonable way to center things? <laughs> so Flexbox definitely makes centering things a lot easier, um, especially if you have multiple items. You know, you, there's always been that the auto margin trick that works for it works pretty well for a single item, whereas Flexbox can center multiple items with justify content uh, very easily. But CSS Grid has actually a lot of the same mechanisms. It has its it has justify content. It's got justify items, align items, um, a lot of ways to center stuff as well. But they do work a little bit differently than Flexbox um, in some cases. So there's there's a little bit of subtlety there where that warrants I think studying both of them. Right. Yeah, I wanted to back up and ask a really quick question. You may or may not um, know the details about this, but I know Edge implemented the wrong spec initially. Do you know like why <laughs> that happened? And was it that the browser vendors like ended up changing it, or I guess like do you have any his do you have any knowledge of the history behind that? A little bit. Yeah, they started in Edge uh, version ten. It's not that they like jumped the gun and did something wrong. In fact, Microsoft was one of the biggest supporters of of grid layout from the beginning, which is why they were so advanced in implementing the first versions of the spec. Um, and what you said is exactly what happened. Uh, the spec just changed. They learned more. They actually learned a lot from that, from implementing that spec, the first original spec, and then it changed on them. So now if you, 
if you actually tried to target CSS Grid in IE 10 and 11, it would work. But there's so many different, so many ways that they work different that it's almost not worth even attempting. In fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try it at this point. Mm. But yeah, they were, they've just been supporters, and as soon as, as soon as they were, at, the spec was stable, which happened this year. They got it built into their browser within that same year, which is a very different Microsoft than we've seen, right? Yeah, yeah. So They're radically different company recently. So if I have to support the older IE, then what? Just no grid for now? Yeah. Or what? What I like to do is you build just a very basic layout using Flexbox or whatever else you want to use, mm. and then you you using the CSS support tag. You can check if your browser supports grid. So if it does support it, then you switch to a grid layout, and then you can build your, you know, your more advanced or your more final layout. But the thing is, people get caught up on is they think that those two have to be the same. Like, oh my, my fallback version has to be exactly the same layout as my final version, and that's not the case. So I would, I would avoid polyfills. There's some JavaScript polyfills that try to mimic the full spec, but they don't have everything, so you're just going to run into bugs. You're better off just doing a very simple layout for these older browsers and then build your real layout for the evergreen browsers. Okay, so Flexbox. My understanding is the only, all that Flexbox is is being able to center things. Is that truly right? Um, no. No. <laughs> no, it can do. <laughs> that's, that's, the only, that's the only reason anybody... That's the only bothered. useful thing you can do with it. That's, that's like the first thing that you reach for it. For but it's a pretty cool layout too, though. So is it true then that like I mean I, I guess I'm cutting off. I, I do want to answer that question, but it's all is like the reason people are learning Flexbox. The reason it's gaining all this popularity is because it can center. <laughs> That's one of the main reasons. But it can do it can do so much more. Like as soon as you understand how Flex Basis works, which is kind of like a starting point, and then Flex Grow and Flex Shrink, mm-hmm. you can build you can build components, especially that expand and contract and reform based on the size of their available space. So it's it's it it does a whole lot more than just centering. Okay. But that is like the basic the first thing that people reach for it for. So I'd like to switch and start talking about CSS um, your your games, uh, grid critters and what's the name of the other game? Uh, Flex, Flex, Flex Zombies, zombies right? Sounds like you need to play that one, Joe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm blanking on you the need to play with sports, yeah. bro. Right. So I want to talk about the games. Are we finished talking about like Flexbox and CSS had, in general? I had one more question. I, yeah, I have one yeah. too. That's good for here. Go. I'll let Amy go first. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh like you just said, using Flexbox for components. Now I've heard um that using nested grids like really um pairs nicely with like the component model that we're trying to do with our JavaScript. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, actually, either one. There, that's where there's a lot of overlap. Is that you can look at a component a component layout, and you, really you could get it done in either grids or uh, flexbox. Now, subgrids aren't actually a thing yet. What there's a standard for subgrids where basically the component is going to line up to the parent, but that's not in any browsers yet. It might be eventually. So what people usually mean when they say subgrids right now is just another grid chilling inside of a parent grid yeah. but it's got yeah. it's got its own layout and it's got its own tracks and columns um but yeah it actually so i've i've got a couple of things that i've built where i reached for a grid inside of a grid as opposed to flexbox 
Um, I like to build layouts from games. So on my site at getski.com, I've got like a, the Zelda UI video, you know, when Link opens up his inventory. I built all of that, and most of that is grids with a sprinkling of Flexbox. Um, but yeah, it does, it does pair really well. How quickly can you start to figure out and get a feel for how to, you know, when to use the nested grids, when to just be using Flexbox or sprinkling in the Flexbox? Does that take a while? I think you start to develop an intuition about about when to use each. Mm-hmm. Once you once you know each, once you know both of them really well in and out, you know. And truth is, like if you get a layout done in Flexbox and it looks right and it works, then you did it right. You know, there's there's not really a wrong choice. Like okay. I choose I chose grid for the header. I should have done Flexbox. Like if you do it and it works and it looks good, then you did it right. Right, but. Once you know both tools in and out, then you can, you know, you can find the quickest way to ride it, and that's kind of the best fit. So this is a side question. He says, if it, you said if it looks right in the past, looking right on one browser does not mean looking right on the next browser. Are we still in that situation with Flexbox and CSS grids where you still need to double check on uh, every browser, even though these evergreen browsers should all look the same? The pain, man. The pain of <laughs> early early web development. No, it has gotten a lot better, and. So far, in, in with grids at least, I've only found a single thing that looks different in Firefox than it does in Safari and Chrome. Hmm. So, are you at the point where you don't check most things in every browser? No, I still I still check, but it's like is that because I have it or because it might be? It? it might be. I I think it's still a good idea to check, you know, before you ship. But it's not like I'm I'm developing with all three browsers open all the time. Yeah. Shipyourgrids.com. There so, you go. So one thing, <laughs> one thing yeah, that I'm curious about with a lot of this is, um, you know, the, the grids. So my experience with grids is mostly like Bootstrap or Zerb Foundation or something like that. You know, they have grids yeah. in them. Um, are, are we talking about the same kind of thing, you know, where it's 920 pixels wide and, you know, they're all even? Or can you, do you define your own grids or how does this all work? <laughs> yeah, the naming the naming is a little bit unfortunate because they're actually very different things. What you're talking about is like Bootstrap Foundation, where you can define like a 12 column grid, and mm-hmm. then you you can define how big your content's going to be in that grid. There's a gazillion of these. Right? There's a bunch of those. Yeah. There's some of them, and they're all implemented in different ways. There's some implemented in Flexbox, but CSS Grid, the the spec, the technology is a new thing that's built into your browser that basically makes all of those things deprecated. So the the old grid layout with Bootstrap, I wouldn't recommend it anymore. Hold on. Foundation, any of those. So you're saying now when I'm so, because I'm such an ignoramus, I use Bootstrap all the time. And that col-md-6, that's that's a mistake now. Yeah, well, all that stuff. (laughs) You're doing it wrong, Joe. You're doing it wrong. Back when I said you can't do it wrong, but I'm going to take that back. I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that stuff anymore. Um, there's actually a lot of problems that come from using the, those solutions, uh, right. especially around um, spacing and margin and responsive design. So you switch from a 12-column grid to a 6-column grid or a 3-column grid, and now your items your items are no longer the last item. So you might have had hard-coded, you know, last item has no margin on the right. Um, but when as soon as you switch to a three column, now your last item is the third one instead of right. the twelfth one. So 
And there was all sorts of JavaScript hacks to get around things like that. But CSS Grid, the technology has kind of learned from all, all of those things. And now when you do, now there's a new thing called gaps. So you can define these gaps between your columns mm-hmm. and they only apply in between stuff. So if you say, give me a 50 pixel gap, that's going to apply in between all of your columns. So you don't have to do like the first child, last child trick that we used to. Mm. And then when you switch from a, a 12 column down to a, a three column, now it's only going to have two gaps in between. Mm. So it does all these things automatically. It's, it's really nice. Mm. Yeah. So do do grids support transitions, like CSS transitions? Like if, if you go from a three to a four column? They don't. That's No, in fact... Um, that, that was one of the things I actually wanted to show in my game mm-hmm. is how, like, because you're putting in, you know, you're adding new columns, you're removing columns in my game. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to show that transition of what you had to what you um, have now. Mm-hmm. And, but CSS grids, the columns, the numbers of columns aren't transitionable. So what mm-hmm. I actually did is I built, I built a separate absolute positioned grid. I kind of re-implemented a grid a little bit. And then I checked the, when you, as soon as you put in code and type something like add a column, it, it adds a column to an invisible grid. Mm-hmm. And I just read from that from the DOM and then I animate to it. Mm-hmm. So you can get around it. I mean, you, it's a lot of work. If you really want to have a grid that animates, you can do it. But for most layouts, you're not. manual work. Yeah. yeah. Huh. yeah. So <clears throat> there are some properties you can't animate, like the sizes. Okay. Like if you have a 100 pixel column you can animate it to be a 200 pixel column. But they didn't make grid columns animatable. Not like the positioning of them. Huh. Uh, if you like, if you change the order, it's just going to swap instantly. If you, if you remove a column, it's just going to drop out. Instantly. <clears throat> Interesting. So I had one more question before we get on to Joe's. Well, I got question. lots more so, questions before we get on to Joe's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's like, hold on. I think you've already answered this, but it's go, it's not sinking in yet. Um, so if I use a ton of Flexbox and it's working for me and I like it, and I, I think I'm speaking for a lot of people, um, what, um, what, why do I need to go to CSS grids? Like, tell me why a, a person who's already having success, like wicked success with Flexbox over what we used to do. What was the why do I why should I go do grids? What's like the killer the killer feature that or, you're the, missing? or the future proofing or like what is the what is the main yeah like what's missing in your life that grid grids brings yeah yeah so like I said there are most grid layouts you can build in Flexbox mm-hmm. there are some layouts that you can't build in Flexbox there's it's just not possible okay but you can get pretty close for most layouts if you have it's like imagine a, a complex layout you know you've got a header maybe some columns a sidebar a content area a footer and maybe in your content area is broken out into you have a two by two grid and maybe a, just a single column okay so you have this you have this layout in your mind right with flexbox but you would break that thing down right you would break it down into a header or maybe a maybe a a, a container div and then a header and then a content div and inside of that content div you would have some flex box calls. Yeah, so, you're, rows, so you would break the whole thing down and then style each piece. Mm-hmm. And that would work for most for most layouts. With grid, you don't do that. Okay. With grid, you look at the layout as a whole and you say, okay, this whole thing, I'm going to style this in a single rule. I'm going to say, okay, I want, I want a single header row. 
I want three columns in the middle. This one I want to take up all the space. Mm. And the bottom one I want to be a 100-pixel footer. Mm. So you define your whole layout as a single CSS rule and then and build it in one go. Mm. So you end up with fewer divs, fewer rules, which is, I mean, it saves you time typing. That's not really a huge one, but it saves you time and maintenance in the future. Mm. And, and then when you want to make that a responsive layout, you don't have to go in and change seven, eight rules for every breakpoint, right? You just change the single definition of that grid in one place and it, and it adapts. So there's that. There's also, um, grid comes with some new tools that Flexbox just doesn't have. Mm. Um, a couple of them are really, really nice. There's the new FR unit, which is uh, the fraction unit. So you can say like, this column I want to be one fraction of the remaining space, and this one I want to be three fractions of the remaining space. So then if you, you know, no matter how much space is left, there's always going to have that ratio of one to three, three to one of those columns. <clears throat> and you could have you could have tried to get that in Flexbox, maybe using percents, but it wouldn't have the same result and it would be a ton more work. Mm. Okay. So do, does it just adjust across the total so you can put, you know, one FR eight times and they're each one eighth of the space? Is, yeah, exactly. Is that how that works? Okay. So yep. I can I can put 592 and 864 and it'll just figure out what the ratio is supposed to be? Yeah, it will. Exactly. And a lot of people think that... Um, the FR unit behaves just like Flex Grow because they see that like, oh, I have this already in Flexbox. I got Flex Grow. But they actually behave pretty differently. I'm working on a blog post right now to show the difference. Um, Flex Grow is more of a, it's a, a rate of growth. So how fast something takes up the available space rather than a direct cut of give it one fraction and two fractions. But yeah. Um, some other things, and this is probably the biggest shift that grids brings, is that you, you the way you position stuff in the grid is completely different from the way we just used to do anything in Flexbox. Um, and that's because with grid, you can actually name every single line in the grid, or you can even name areas in the grid and assign the content to show up in specific areas, which is a really cool way to position stuff. You know, we're not you're not doing position absolute and pixels anymore you're saying put put the content um item into the content area of the grid which is awesome because then when you change your grid and you change what the content definition is in the grid definition then your your content just adapts it's just a really way it's a really way cool to way cool way to size and position stuff that we've never had before yeah one thing that i see so with this Though with with that particular bit, you know, with the positioning and stuff, is if I go in and I add a row or add a column, and I have to shift stuff around, I have to go shift everything. It, it at least it seems like to me, you know, um, some of it might be somewhat relative, but a lot of it it just feels like oh, I'm gonna have to go move this and this and tell it to span across these different parts of the grid all over again. Is is that really a problem, or am I just imagining this from the days when we used to do layouts with tables? That's that's really only a problem if you position everything by line number. Like with grids, you can position, you can say like sidebar, um, start at line zero and go to line five. Oh, I you see. You can do that, but then you can do that just fine and it'll lay it out. But then, like you said, if you want to change it, 
now you got to calculate in your mind, okay, what, which one's line zero, which one's line five. And there's some good tools out there. Um, Mozilla Firefox in their latest version, they've got a really good grid inspector that shows you the line, the line numbers and makes that kind of stuff easier. But really when you when your grid gets to a certain point in complexity, it's better to name the areas in your grid yeah. rather than depend on line numbers. Cause then, then all you do is change the definition of which cells are named what, and your content will move with it. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as you started talking about naming it, it, that that's where it clicked, right? Where you said sidebar. Cause then you can just say, uh, you are class sidebar and it just knows where to go. Exactly. And so then you just change sidebar yep. and everything that's a sidebar goes to the right place and adjusts properly. Yep. All right. So I really want to start talking about education and gamification because <laughs> that's super interesting to me. Are we uh, ready to switch topics? I, I think so. I guess the only other thing um, is that, that I would like to just run into is is there a good place to go look at the spec? I mean, I know that you have the game and that's a great way to learn it. And I encourage people to learn that way because it's fun and interactive. But some people are just going to want to go look at the spec and what, you know, what is this thing and you know, how do I deal with it? Um, so are there good resources? And then we can just jump into the game and, and tell people why it's more fun to do it your way. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, there's, there's a ton of resources. There's, there's courses on Egghead. Um, Rachel Andrew, who is involved in helping come up with some of the grid specs, she's got a great site called gridbyexample.com. Um, you can read the grid spec, although I would have a lot of painkillers on hand. <laughs> <laughs> it is brutal. I'm not going to lie. Um, they use a lot of terminology that just doesn't make sense. It wasn't written for us. It wasn't written for right. web developers. It was for the smarter people <laughs> who are building in these yeah. specs into the browser. Yeah, they have to implement it, so they have to know exactly what it does. But everything's there. I mean, the spec has everything. If you can, if you can figure it out. And the thing is, so when I went to Master Flexbox, that's what I did. Is I went straight to the spec and I read it, and I was questioning all my life choices, like, what am I? This. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just, you know, instead of getting discouraged, I just started to play with Flexbox. You know, I went on CodePen and I just made a div display flex and i just started playing with it and as soon as i did that things started to click and you know then now i go back and i i reread the spec a couple of times and now it makes complete sense but at first it's just such a foreign thing so yeah i wouldn't start with a spec um maybe as a as a final thing if you feel like you have any last gaps you want to fill or if you're like me and you're teaching grids then you definitely want to know the spec but um how the spec reading is so fun yeah, I would just, honestly, I would pick, here's what I would do. I would pick a UI that you think looks cool. Like from a game, I'm working on the one from Destiny. I don't know if any Destiny 2 fans out there. Um, there's the there's the hero talent tree. Maybe I got your attention. Are you a Destiny kid, Joe? My son is actually easy is. one, but I barely. Okay, well, they have this talent tree that it's, it's at an angle and it looks like diamond. It's a really cool UI, huh. but it's just a grid that's rotated and you can, Trans CSS transform grids to be rotated to. Huh. Anyway, I would pick a UI that you think looks cool and just say, okay, how am I going to build this thing in grids? And then learn the pieces of grid layout that you need to build your UI. Like it's for me at least, I have a hard time learning something unless it's attached to some something I'm trying to build. You know, I'm just wired that way. 
So I would I would play with grids. I would try to build a cool UI. Um, and then there's there's a bunch of free resources out there. Hmm, I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to picture you, Dave, sitting there playing with CSS grids and going, you know what this needs? Critters. Needs critters. <laughs> <laughs> always needs critters right that's right so so go ahead talk about the game make joe happy this episode is sponsored by kendo ui kendo ui allows you to build better apps faster they have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders plus you can use their components as plain javascript as well as in angular react and Vue. they have a large collection of customizable popular themes like bootstrap and material Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. All right, Joe. <laughs> okay, so I'm a, I'm a huge gamer. I just, I love games. Um, I play Overwatch with Joe sometimes, and sometimes I'll let him get play the game, you know, just to make it feel good. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, just, I just love games, and the medium is such, it's the most rich medium. You know, it's got story, and it's got art, and music, and you know, you pair that with education. I think it's just such a cool way to teach stuff. So my whole thing is to take a very complex subject like Flexbox or Grid and present it in a way to the user that feels like they're playing a game instead of learning a new skill. So the so Grid Critters, my new game, um, has these little critters and I animate them. It's, I use WebGL and do a lot of cool little fun transitions and animations. But um, one thing I do is I, I present grids to the user in a very specific order and I, I hold back a lot of the stuff. So I don't, you know, you go to read the spec or you go to some of these tutorials and it's like, they just dump the whole thing on you right away. And it's, it's overwhelming. But what I do in my game is I start out by showing them a very small problem in the game. Like, Hey, you got to rescue that critter before, before it dies. And then um, Meg, the captain, she asks the, her AI guide, the computer that's on her ship, she asks him to invent some technology that will help her to rescue that critter. So then he comes up with some solution, upgrades the ship, and teaches her how to use it. And that thing he's teaching is actually CSS grids, right? So then she uses it. Um, well, the, the player, the student, uses it um, and sees the result as it happens. So you'll see the grid exactly what you're building which is one of the problems with grids is you can't actually see your grid. You can't see the tracks unless you use a grid inspector. So I built a custom grid inspector that shows them what they're doing. Anyway, so they, they use the new thing they learn and they, they get that reward of rescuing the critter and moving on to the next level. And then every level builds upon the thing that previous levels taught them. So as you go through the levels, you are asked to, to practice everything you've learned up to that point. So, but by the time you're done with a chapter, you know, you've done dozens of layouts using CSS grid, using um, just the very few things I'm teaching in that chapter. And there's 10 chapters that go through every, everything in the spec. Mm. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. So what made you decide to use gamification uh, when, I mean, I know you said that you're a big fan of games. Was that truly it? Or did you feel like this was a more viable, I mean, you you went off on your own. You're trying to make a living doing this. So you were making a decision as to whether or not you're going to be able to make your rent payment based on what? The fact that you just like games? <laughs> <laughs> no. So I'll rewind a bit. Uh, it was last November. I was 
working at my job and honestly, I was hating it. <laughs> I was, I found myself staring at my computer screen. I was supposed to be building another form. And I don't know about you guys, but I hate forms. <laughs> <laughs> I hate using them. I hate building them. And I was, I was just miserable. And I was like, you know what? I need a new job. So I did, I decided I was going to get a new job. So I went home and I took the next day off. I went to McDonald's and posted up my laptop and I fired up uh, numbers. <laughs> Aaron and <laughs> you I know are I like did. so laughing because loves McDonald's. All, I'm, the, <laughs> all the double cheeseburgers you can get, free refills. Oh, I got I got some glares <laughs> from those McDonald's employees. Yeah, you know what goes on at a Starbucks? <laughs> there was one table that was just like that at McDonald's that day. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so I fired up my resume and it was a numbers document. And I was just updating my resume because I was going to apply for a new job. And I couldn't get, I couldn't get the formatting. I'm a little bit of a stickler when it comes to like tiny little insignificant details, and I couldn't get the alignment to be exactly how I wanted it in numbers. So famous last words, I was like, "Oh, I'll just do this in CSS." <laughs> <laughs> so then I built, I built my resume in CSS, and I was using Flexbox a lot. And I kept finding that I had to keep going to that dang CSS tricks website, mm -hmm. you know, the complete guide to Flexbox. I kept having to look everything up again and again and again. And I got me thinking like, wait a second, I've used, I've used Flexbox on like six projects. Why do I still have to look this stuff up all the time? So um, that, that became a different rabbit hole that I kind of jumped down. And I started thinking a lot about Flexbox and trying to come up with ways for myself to just be able to remember it. Like, okay, flex direction. Let's say that's a let's say that's a crossbow where I'm shooting west or north or south or east, um, as opposed to trying to just memorize the syntax. So as soon as I came up with that, then it became really easy to to do uh, flex box and flex direction. So I came up with a lot of little symbols and ways to think about things that helped me learn flex box. Well then after I did that, I shared it with a couple of friends of mine, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, like this is amazing! This is a great way to think about Flexbox. You should make a course." And I think Aaron, you were one of the guys that encouraged me to do that. And so, the very first version I did was just this email course or this email sequence of just had pictures and words. There was no fancy animations. There was no interaction really, and just some code pen exercises to go with it. So I made that and I shared it. And I put up a, a sign-up page where people could sign up for it. And almost overnight, I had like 350 people signed up for it. And I just, my mind was blown that people were digging this Flexbox Zombies thing. And I was, I was at the point where that was pretty much all I needed. The, the only justification I needed to quit my job and go do my own thing. I've, <laughs> I've been saving for a long time. So I had, I had a good chunk of savings ready for something like this. And as soon as I saw that people were interested in what I had to teach about Flexbox, I was like, okay, I'm doing it. So I put in my notice, I quit. And then I, I spent the next six months building what Flexbox Zombies is today, a full on game with the built in exercises and challenges and animation and all that. Okay. So Flexbox Zombies has really interesting and very cool art and, and UI and look and stuff. Um, do you think that the gamification angle is effective without spending so much time honing the look and the UI? Huh. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. 
Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I mean, it's like you look at an Apple phone, right? And their whole design, everything is fantastically well designed, right? Is that really what why people are buying an Apple, or is it also because it's a great product? I mean, people say all day long it's a great product, but people, I, I I'm not sure that that's true. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that level of polish does attract UI developers. Um, you know, I've done zero marketing basically, and um, as of last week, I've had about eleven thousand people sign up and play Flexbox Zombies. Mm. And something that actually helped early early on was I it got picked up by a couple of really popular people, Scott Hanselman and Jeff Atwood. They saw it, and mm. I guess they love zombies. They love Flexbox, one of the two, and they shared it, and that that got so many people signed up. Mm. Very- they're actually both zombies. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> that explains it. That explains it. No, but so they shared it, and from then it's just spread word of mouth. I don't know. I I don't know if it's thanks to the the polish that I put into it, or if it's that you know there's nothing quite like it out there, or if you know I put in some really cheesy storytelling because that's just the way I roll. I don't know if people are liking the story. They must. I don't know, but I I think you probably can get away with making things that aren't quite so, you know, full on polished and, and whatnot. I mean, people liked the, the email prototype that I had. Right. And that wasn't anywhere near. That was just, you know, very, very basic. So gamification has been interesting because, you know, for years now, we've seen gamification used in more and more ways, more and more places. There's, um, what's the goal app that's a game that's gamified? It's actually like I think it was done RPG Life or something. RPG Life. Oh yeah, yeah. RPG Life. RPG Life or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's gamification of keeping your goals. Like you set a goal to do things every day, and if you meet those goals and you earn points, and you can use those points, then you like set up and like, hey, if I earn so many points, then I can treat myself to a double cheeseburger. (laughs) (laughs) Are you thinking about Habit RPG? Yeah, there we go. That's it. Habit RPG. Habit RPG. Love that thing. Uh, Although I haven't played it recently, but. there's that. I was reading, reading, recently reading about uh, using gamification to treat addiction, uh, gamification to help parents get their kids to do chores. Like gamification is in is everywhere. As an educator, you know, at Plural Site, it's very. I hate to use the word stodgy, but it's you know, it's just, it's very traditional education. We got these videos. You follow along. Gamification isn't even you know a part of that scene. And I love gamification. Are, we're seeing it in so many ways. Do you feel like uh, that was absolutely a critical element to your success is the gamification of it? And that's like the key and that's what makes you your stuff so successful? I think that's definitely part of it. Although when I set out, I didn't think, I never even thought of the word gamification. Like when I when I started making these, I just thought game, you know? Right. I'm not going to gamify something. I'm going to make a game. Um, and I think there's, there's kind of two types of gamification. There's one that I almost think of as a little bit fake or a little bit contrived. And that's like, the, hey, you got a star, you got a badge. Right. That's Eight, a, 80% through your profile. Yeah, that stuff, <laughs> that stuff yeah. doesn't work for me. Like, it, that doesn't, maybe it motivates some people. I actually tried to have RPG and it didn't, you know, it didn't work. <laughs> it right. didn't stick. But then there's actual games. And like, think about, we like Overwatch. Think about Overwatch. Like, you're trying to do this objective. You're trying to get headshots, trying to kill people. But think about like the things that you learn mm-hmm. by trying to do those objectives. Right. Who, who's your character again? Who do you like playing? Tracer. Okay, you like Tracer. So 
you've learned how to zip around a corner perfectly. Right. You've learned how to zip in and drop the perfect time bomb and get out without right. getting killed. Like you've learned so many tiny little details about the game, you know, maybe places to hide, places to ambush, um, specific strategies with tracer. You've learned a ton just by playing the game. Right. And that's, that was what I'm going for with, with my stuff is, you know, I'm not trying to gamify something with, with fake rewards. I'm trying to make it so like you play a fun game and as a result, you learn a ton of stuff just like you do in a real game. Right. So the academic topic of gamification is about the stars and that sort of stuff. How much of that do you have in uh, Grid Critters and Flexbox Zombies? And how much of it is just, we're just playing a game? I don't have any of that stuff. Any of that. Okay. Nope, I don't have any of it. So there's a, an interest on code.org, you know, the, the hour of code thing that um, you, your kids will sometimes learn at school. My daughter and I taught a bunch of those. And over at code.org, they have a link to um, one place that's, you know, you learn to code through a game. And it's JavaScript coding through a game. And there's no real gamification from this standpoint of, hey, you know, like, granted, you get through the level, then you want to go to the next level. But you're making a game. You're, you're playing a game. No, you're playing. Oh, you are. Yeah, you you tell like you got a little guy and you got to program him to go around through the maze and avoid the bad guys or kill the bad guys with some programming, you know, a little bit of JavaScript code. Nice. Yeah, it's a super cool, super cool thing. Um, and so it's not really trying to gamify uh, something. You're actually playing a game. Do you feel like that's the critical? I mean, that's just that's what you went with because you didn't feel like the gamification was. Have you ever considered putting gamification into there? into your stuff to try to enhance it? I haven't. I I focus more on making the mechanics themselves fun. Like if, I like a talk by Ian Bogos. He's a game designer. Mm -hmm. He talks about what makes things fun, like what makes play actually fun. And he said it's not the, the little dopamine hits that they try to give you at the end of a level. It's not um, the fact that something's easy. It's actually the fact that something's very difficult and has fixed constraints but allows a little bit of room for play with some set controls. Mm. And so that's why something that's why a game is perfect for something like learning grids, because it is a very complex topic, but I present the user with a couple of little controls that they can they can play with and they can see direct result of playing. And because of that it's it's actually fun. So the mechanics are fun. I like to think of another game that does that really well with StarCraft too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many times you played Starcraft. I played. I spent a lot of my youth playing Starcraft too. But the mechanics were just so fun. Like I, I've played thousands of one-on-one -on -one games. Um, you know, you build a base, you build an army, you scout, you attack, and you do it over and over and over and over again because it's, the mechanics are just so much fun. Right. I actually, wrote a script to cheat and get me into Diamond League, but. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, you cut that part out. No, I'm building the first grid critter script to try and cheat me to the end. You are, that'll really help you. Learn grid. <laughs> Get to the end. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Gamification is not a topic that interests me, but games as a medium for play and learning and mastery is a topic I'm really interested in. So, there's a little bit branching out, but Day9, you know who Day9 is, right? Yeah. He became very famous by doing this daily thing. Well, it was actually like three times a week where he was analyzing StarCraft games and teaching you how to get better at StarCraft. And uh, he was putting out like an hour, hour and a half video three times a week or something like that. And he kind of, I think that he had a very natural tactic to letting people take the next step, right? He's like, 
hey, here, you want to get, you want to practice just getting this part. Take just this slice of the game rather than learning the whole game. Take just a slice of the game and get better mm-hmm. at that. Right. Yeah. So it's deliberate practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously, you're you've codified that into the bird critters and into flexbox zombies, where it's just like just take this next little slice and just practice that. I mean, when we go and we develop, we don't often. I guess. I guess sometimes it's like you pick one topic. You don't pick it on purpose. It's like whatever is next, and you might have to dig into that over and over and over again. And sometimes you feel like you came come out the other end. Now you're a master at it. But all you did was solve that one problem and then get to the next one. And so sometimes life is naturally that way. And having a game that sets this up is probably pretty advantageous for the learner as well. Because I'm sure I feel, a lot of people feel the same way as me. I go and I want to learn something like this. You know, you, if you open up the spec, all there is is this vast laid out uh, landscape and knowing what to pick and, and trying to get through it and feeling completely overwhelmed. And when you find those nice tutorials that just give you just the peak, that's just the next part that you want. And like, please help me figure out what is the next piece for me. That's what I need. And that's hard to do with blogs and with videos. Yeah. But yeah, it kind of takes you there, right? Yeah. I love that day nine guy. Like I remember my favorite episode of his was you had to try to win the whole round or the, you had to try to win the match with nothing but Queens. Oh yeah. <laughs> do you remember that one? Yeah. It was hilarious. The most funny, but you learn a lot about queens in that, in that, right? So, yeah, I actually adopt that same approach. I have a whole chapter on grid gaps. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a single. Well, there are two properties and a shorthand. But I spend I spend an entire chapter where you're trying to rescue these critters and and save the day using nothing but grid gaps. And so by the end of it, you've done more with grid gaps than most people are going to do over their whole career. Right. And so the next time you encounter a layout that needs a gap. You're going to have all this experience. And so, yeah, there's a huge advantage. So why do you think we aren't seeing more games as a medium for teaching? I mean, obviously we see some, but they I, I would assume the obvious answer is so many things change so fast. If you built a game, game around the current version of, say, Angular, then <laughs> next week it's obsolete, right? Yeah. By the time you're be... done building it, it's so long to build something anyway. Yeah, both of these games, they took me six months full-time each to build them so we're talking a thousand hours ish a piece we're talking at least 37 hours <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they they take they're prohibitively expensive to to build um and yeah that's why i i built them for technology that's not going to change right flexbox has been hardened and it's going to be around for a long long time css grid just got hardened and it's there's going to be a couple of little changes here and there but i i can easily update the chapters with those little changes, but it's going to be, we're going to be using grids for the next 10 years. You know, it's not going to be right. completely replaced by some framework that Facebook comes up with or that someone at Google comes up with, you know, it's, right. um, and the thing is those technologies, the ones that are going to be around no matter what framework you're using, um, the ones that are going to be here in 10 years, those are the ones I think that really pay off to master. Right. You know, I like, as a, back when I was doing a ton of Angular, I never I never sat down and mastered every part of Angular. Or right. I never mastered every part of React. I just look up the pieces I need as I go. Right. Um, that doesn't really work very well for the built-in. You know, you can't really do that very well with JavaScript and with CSS. Otherwise, you just you're wasting time. You know, you're depending on a cheat sheet. You're there's friction. Like when you go to build a layout or build a, a UI, there's that friction of a mismatch between what you want to build and what you're able to build. Right. So I think it pays off 
huge amounts to master those built-in, those core technologies. So you're not limited in what you can build. Right. Right, for sure. I mean, I've got a lot of really valuable background skills today. (laughs) 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 Backbone, what's that? What is that? (laughs) I'm kidding. Did you write the backbone game? I did write the backbone game. For some reason, I'm not getting very many signups anymore. Anymore? All these new devs are like, what's backbone? What are these old guys talking about? It'll come back. (laughs) It's going to get fashionable again. There we go. It's still like the fifth most used framework or something. It's crazy. See, I think there's some technologies that really pay off to master. JavaScript, CSS, Mm -hmm. Canvas, SVG. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Chuck. No, it's all good. I'm I'm curious though. So you said that you've been doing this full time. Um, how do you monetize it? So people just sign up for the so, course, or yeah, yeah. So I actually have a drug dealing business on the side. <laughs> where just stay away from my kids' they school. Just, <laughs> well, they just legalized yeah. in California, so it's yeah it's going down the No, so Flexbox. Wait, did he say cannabis or cannabis? <laughs> that was a great joke, Chuck. <laughs> oh, dude, gives me an idea for my next game. Canvas cannabis. You got to using the canvas APIs. Canvas smugglers. Canvas, canvas, canvas smugglers. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh man, I really, I really want to see it. What? How many times you put in there? It's for medical use. <laughs> yeah, you got to actually. Verify that you live in Colorado to play my game. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, now I don't even remember what the question was. Oh, how do I monetize it? So I took a I took a pretty big gamble giving away Flexbox Zombies for free. Like, I don't know if not many people can say they worked six months full time for free. I did, <laughs> and I I gave it away. But the hope was that it would get my name out there and build my email list. And then when I built my my next game, Grid Critters, I could charge for that one. And the hope was enough people would buy it, it would like my style of teaching that they'd buy it, despite there being free stuff out there. Um, so that's that's what I went with um, at my launch. I launched it on Cyber Monday, and I made over thirty grand from it, which was pretty sweet for me. Like it was, it was the most amazing feeling in the world. Actually, people paying real money for something that I had just come up with out of thin air. Um, so yeah, it's it's a paid one. Um, sales are doing well. A lot of people are really liking it. I've got people on that are on the Google Chrome team and on Mozilla Firefox team who are playing it and loving it. Um, so yeah, it's it's going really well. I hope I hope I can just keep making these games the rest of my life. That's the hope. And you said you built it with um, what technologies did you build it on? I'm using for the course platform itself. I'm using Teachable, so there I had to hack them quite a bit to make my stuff work on Teachable because it's meant for like Im- images and videos mm-hmm. and, and slide decks, right? In fact, I got the CTO of Teachable email me one day. He's like, hey, our engineering department's playing playing your game and we can't believe you were able to do this on our platform. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I hope it's all right. He's like, no, this is amazing. Um, they may show it off at one of their next summits, but so yeah, I use Teachable for the the platform. Um, nice thing about that is I don't there's no backend, you know, it's just completely static hosted. I use Netlify to host my assets. Mm-hmm. Um, the front end is using uh, React, Pixie, 
a lot of WebGL, and then I do character animations with um, Greensock and a thing called um, Magic. Magic. <laughs> what is? I'm trying to think of the name of that animation tool. Spine. It's called Spine. So it lets you take artwork from Photoshop, slice slice it all up, and create um, skeletal animations. So you make the skeletons, even for things like the spaceship, like the spaceship legs and the landing gear and all that. Um, so you make this these animations with skeletons, and then you can um, export it with a JavaScript API and control it in your app. So a lot, there's a lot of cool stuff. I've learned a ton building these games. Like it's been it's been a lot of fun. Flexbox zombies, I used a ton of flexbox grid critters. I used a ton of grids just because you don't ever want to get trolled by people saying, "Oh, you're not even using." Flexbox, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 That's the tech I use. Nice. Well, is there anything else with grids or, you know, building these kinds of games that you want to go into before we do picks? Um, I, I guess I guess the only just thing I want to wrap up is um, for having me on and for JS Jabber audience, I think I'll make a, a discount available for grid critters. Um, so if you just put in JS Jabber, as a discount when you check out, I'll give you like twenty percent discount off the price. I mean, maybe I'll make it expire a week after the show goes out. Maybe, yeah, something like a couple that. weeks. Maybe, maybe a couple a weeks. Month, it'll, it'll take like a couple Sometimes weeks for it to come out. So, okay, I'll, I'll leave it open for a month. But yeah, enter JS Jabber for twenty percent off, and then you can master your grids with me by playing a game. All right, and sounds good. Event. And I'll make sure that you, you know the like date, for the release date, so that we uh, uh, March. 3rd. Yeah, yeah. So. Just have it go till March 1st. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere. Available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android. And all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Corey, do you want to start us off with picks? Yeah, sure. Uh, I will share a tweet that I put out yesterday, uh, which was inspired by a quote from Dan Abramov talking about how people have compiled all their company's tool dependencies into a single NPM package, and they found that that worked really well for them. Uh, We did that same thing uh, on my team about a year ago, and have found that super useful. Um, Apparently, this is an idea that uh, really has caught a lot of people's attention because the tweet has already hit nearly a thousand uh, likes on there. So there's a good conversation on here for anybody that's thinking about, hey, I have a lot of projects that use the same tools and we end up tweaking all these tools in the same way. Boilerplates are useful, but this idea of effectively creating your own framework for your company, I think is really powerful and a uh, pattern that more people can embrace. Uh, 
to reduce fatigue and enforce consistency on their teams. So that's my pick. Awesome. Amy, what are your picks? Okay, so I think for the past two episodes, I've picked like different coins that I'm investing in. Uh, so I'm going to like keep on that and pick another one. So uh, last week, I bought something called Neo. And so that's going to be uh, my pick following along with that. It's, I don't know, just I always say like only buy what you're okay losing. So I'm just having fun with it. Uh, and then the other link, uh, one of my friends who graduated from um, the same boot camp as I did posted this on her Facebook yesterday. Uh, and I thought it was really good. Uh, it's just an article. Um, the title says what it's about. It says uh, at age six, girls are less likely to identify females as really, really smart. And so um if you have young kids or just uh, know anyone with like young girls, I think this was worth the read. Um, it's really interesting. So anyways, that's it for me. That's awesome. I actually found a little booklet that my 10-year-old wrote, and it was Girls Can Do Anything. It was kind of fun that's to just awesome. flip through it. Anyway, that's what made me think of. Um, Aaron, Frosty, what are your picks? I, uh, I've been reading a book that I'm liking. It's called Fire and Fury. I'll leave it at that. But uh, if you're looking for a good book, Fire and Fury. Fire and Fury. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the Trump one? Well, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh. Fire and Fury. <laughs> Fire and Fury. Okay. You're trying to get him in trouble, Joe. Joe, what are your picks? <laughs> All right. So I got another book that I will pick as well. I've been um, reading this uh, book. It's a third book in this series called The Dungeoneers, which I've, I know I've picked the other books before because <laughs> I love them. They're pretty funny. Guys got a, the writer's got a good sense of humor, and they're books about they're set in a fantasy world where there's a group of dwarves who are professional dungeon recovery people, right? It's a whole company. You hire them and they'll go into the dungeon and you know get whatever enchanted sword you you want them to acquire or whatever. And it's 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 they're fun plots and it's just really well written. And so the third book just came out, which is actually like a prequel book. Uh, the the Dungeoneers and the the name of the book that I'm actually this third book sorry the name of the book is the Lost Temple of Sisyphus or something like that it's like an unpronounceable name Sisyphus no vowels eight s's yeah like eight s's no vowels yeah pushing a rock up a mountain yeah so anyway great book totally totally have enjoyed it and then the other pick since we're Actually, Dave and Aaron and I are right at this exact second taking a break from choosing the talks for NGConf. So I'm going to pick NGConf. Tickets are on sale. Regular tickets, we're down to just uh, not so many left. So the regular tickets are going to go off sale on February 14th. That'll be the last day to pick up a regular ticket. And then it'll be late for tickets. So prices are going up a couple hundred bucks. So if you want to get your ticket for cheaper... Now is the time to do it. February 14th is the uh, deadline. And those are my picks. All right. This episode is going to come out after February 14th. So, Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, well, then. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could do a coupon code for JS Jabber listeners for like a week after this goes out. There so. you go. Yeah. So what? How much? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we can do a coupon code for March 4th, just like Dave's as well, I guess. What Do you know the date this is supposed to come out? Uh, it will come out February 28th. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both both coupon codes need to be extended. Uh, well, we'll do like 
coupon codes then till March 15th for like 200 bucks off, I guess. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll JS Jabber. Yeah, maybe JS I'll Jabber. Extend my to March 15th. Also. Yeah, you might want to do that too. <laughs> All right, there you go. Coupon codes for both uh, NGCOF and for uh, uh, Grid Critters uh, till March 15th. Just the word, J- just the letters JS Jabber. Five B's. Yes, uh, this is standard spelling. Five B's. <laughs> Jabber's the letter. Jabber's the letter. Yeah, JS Jabber. All right, AJ, what are your picks? First off. I'm going to pick How to Start a Startup. That is a class put out by Sam Altman, who's the Y Combinator guy. Um, it, I just didn't, I, I'm enjoying it. There's a lot of stuff about business that at least isn't intuitive to me, or like why, what, what are things for? Why do you do a certain thing a certain way? What, what, what are the most successful companies? And they've just got a lot of it in there. Um, so far from what I've listened to and, and I, I like it. And also Sam Walton, I might've picked this before. Sam Walton wrote a book made in America about it's kind of a autobiography and also the story of Walmart because his life was pretty much retail since he was a teenager. So everything about his life was focused around what eventually became Walmart. Um, and I, I don't know if it'd be interesting for everyone. I, I'm just kind of, trying to learn from people that have been successful at what they um, were trying to do and, and gain some knowledge. And, and the book feels good. Like in, in terms of that, that type of, it feels productive in that way, even though I don't, I don't know that I'd tell you like how cool it is necessarily, but yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm going to jump in here with a couple of picks. Um, I got some review units of some wireless headphones at CES, and people kept asking me how they stacked up against the Apple AirPods. So I went and bought a pair, and I have to say that I really like them. Um, I'm still evaluating the other ones, so I'm not going to say that they are great or not great, um, but I, I am just going to call out that uh, the AirPods are really nice. So I'm going to pick those. Uh, Dave, what are your picks? All right, I'm going to pick a game. So... I have this thing about zombies. <laughs> so there's this new game called They Are Billions. Just came out on Steam. They have the coolest story. Like their fan base was so big that they were they they had to limit how many people they were letting into their into their alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it came out on Steam, and now they're letting more people in. But it is such a fun game. It's it's kind of like a it's a new genre that I don't think I've ever played a game like it where it's survival and city building at the same time. So the way you survive is by building up this this city and then there's waves of zombies that come in and you have to you have to move your defenses and try to stave them off and survive. It's it's a lot of fun. So it's called They Are Billions. Awesome. Now one last question, Dave. If people want to follow you on Twitter or read your blog or check you out on GitHub, where do they go? Yeah, um just getski.com, G E D D S K I or Getski on Twitter. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and and encourage people to go check out your games. And uh, we'll catch everyone next week. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Bye. Good luck picking the rest of those talks. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Thanks. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.